Hello. This is the Break the Mold podcast. My name is Tim Roberts. I'm your host for this podcast and author of Break the Mold. Uh, we're on episode seven. Episode seven. Flying through these episodes now, and this is the next uh, guest episode and a brilliant, brilliant guest we have for you today. Uh, Going to do this once today. Quick reminder, make sure you subscribe at enthusecoaching.com. Makes it really, really easy for you because you get an email sent straight to you, giving you the new episodes and a link to download other summary sheets and lots more resources to come. It's not just about the podcast. You also get an email every week as well, helping you to cut out the corporate bullshit and focus on how you can break them all. So lots of good stuff coming from there. So just go and do it, basically. Right. Kelly Swingler is the guest for you today. Um, I'm smiling when I'm doing this intro because just because thinking about Kelly makes me smile. Uh, Kelly's a lovely, lovely person, uh, brilliant support for me, a real inspiration. There's a little story, I think, really, to tell you about how Kelly and I met. So we first met back in 2017, no, sorry, 2018 it was, sorry. Not that you care. Um, so a good few years ago now. Uh, and we were introduced by a mutual friend of ours and i did kelly's podcast kelly back then had a, had a podcast that she was doing and i was a guest for her um and from that podcast we stayed in touch and then kelly invited me or should i better say challenged me to go and speak on stage at disrupt hr london event and i said yeah what for that that'd be great meet you in person lovely stuff go have a good time in london and blah 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 so i went down to london practiced my talk got it all ready was mad for it was really up for it and Sits with Kelly in the pub, because, yeah, why wouldn't you meet in the pub, especially in London? Some of the best pubs in the world are in London. So I sat there having a beer, and, I, and I'm getting myself work, you know, ready for it and getting the right mindset. And I, and I say to Kelly, so, so how many thoughts about it, Kelly? I said, you know, you mentioned something maybe about 20, 30, 40 people come to these. She smirked and looked at me and she went, 200 people, Tim. <laughs> now, this was early in my career as a, as a public speaker. So at that time, that was one of the biggest careers to uh, sorry biggest audience to me to date and she maybe duped me into her thinking it was an audience that was about a quarter of that size so we were laughing about that and then we went on to the venue and got prepared for it and everything else like that and kelly has the video of this and the video is online as well uh this is the event where i famously tripped over on stage and uh, cut the feed to the screen yes in front of 200 people <laughs> Uh, I know what I always remember, and you can hear it on the video actually, is, is Kelly's voice out of all those people, I'll say laughing with me rather than at me, um, and everybody in the room was supportive because it was a horrendously embarrassing moment for me, all I can remember is Kelly's voice in the crowd just shouting, encouraging, laughing, uh, and just being Kelly, and you know, for somebody who has literally just died on stage and literally just embarrassed themselves, you know, what a great thing to hear because at that moment I wanted the world to open up and swallow me. And all I could hear was Kelly's brilliant voice just telling me to keep going, really encouraged me and helping me to overcome the embarrassment. So, yeah, a little bit about how I met Kelly. And then we stayed in touch then since then, and she's just an absolute superstar for me. She inspires so many people. So, Kelly's an executive coach, she's an inspirational speaker and author. Uh, she's really passionate about helping people to prevent burnout. This is something that Kelly's experienced herself and she talks very openly about it and 
really helps her coaching clients to make sure that they don't fall into that burnout trap that she can recognize that she did herself previously. Uh, she helps leaders all over the world. Um, she does a lot of work in person, a lot of work online, runs her own big events, speaks at big conferences, go and check out her books on Amazon. Um, one of the big things about uh, Kelly is that she, she, she just wants people to succeed and in particular succeed without giving up their career or jeopardizing the well-being she's really learned that leading from the core is the key to our success and those words leading from the core and being core-led is something that Kelly talks about throughout this interview and that's one of the things I'd ask you to pay particular attention to and think about what that means to you so throughout this interview just really think about what does it mean to you to be core-led what does it mean to you to really lead from your core and make sure that that's where you're leading from and in particular leading as you are and not by who you are not. So not trying to live up to the title or the perceived success and all the materialistic things that comes with that. And Kelly talks about that herself, really focusing on this is who I am. This is me. And that's how I'm going to lead myself and others. Um, I think a big thing to listen out to this is just Kelly being Kelly. And please don't take that as a throwaway comment. Please don't take that as something not to pay attention to. To me, if you're not inspired by this interview, then you're listening to the wrong podcast. You're in the wrong place. You know, this is a guest who's just being themselves. Kelly's passion for people being authentic selves really shines through and highlights uh, include her explaining how that your authentic selves impact on the culture in organisations and what we can do to build those authentic relationships. So I love the way she talks about this kind of bigger picture piece, really, in terms of saying, look, if everyone in your organisation is encouraged and helped and, and chooses to be their authentic selves, that really, really builds the relationships that you want and therefore takes care of the culture. And, you know, she talks about the reverse of that, where people are not being authentic selves and the negative impact that has on the culture in your organisation. She really draws from her own experiences, not just from theory or just what her opinion is. You know, this Kelly, this is somebody talking from the heart, sharing her own experiences, which has really taught kind of the value of authenticity. She's not afraid to talk about her vulnerabilities, not afraid to talk about where she's made mistakes. So really, again, pay attention to that, because actually I think what Kelly Rollwells is we can learn so much from our mistakes. And, and whether that's a mistake where it's perceived as a failure or not doing something we set out to do, or just the mistakes in terms of how we've behaved, and thinking about that and relating it to you, think about how that really shows the value of authenticity for you, learning from those experiences. And finally, something I'd really encourage you to pay attention to is Kelly calling out the bullshit in leadership development. We had a really, really good conversation about this. And particularly for those of you leaders listening to this or people who work in leadership development, like anything, you know, there's a lot of bullshit in podcasts. Just like anything, there's loads of bullshit floating around in leadership development. Me and Kelly have a conversation about that, and I think she calls it out one of the best ways I've ever heard. And when you pay attention to that and, and allow yourself to take a step back and go, yeah, actually, some of that is bullshit, because if we're seeing it, other people are seeing it. And, you know, surely the point of leadership development is to be authentic, is so that people can do something with it and feel confident and empowered. So really listen to that in terms of paying attention to or calling out that bullshit. It'll really help you to get clarity on what truly helps leaders and yourselves to be comfortable in just being yourselves. Uh, on that note, I don't think that can be set up in any better way, really. So time for me to shut up, time for you to enjoy listening to Kelly Swingler. I'll see you at the end where I'll ask you some questions and I'll think about what are you going to do about listening to this podcast.
Welcome back to another episode of the Break the Mould podcast. Very, 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 very excited today because I have my wonderful mate, Kelly Swingler, with us. Hey. Kelly, how are you? I'm very, very well. How are you? I'm really good, thank you. Really good, yeah. We've just been laughing at each other, haven't we, actually, because I've got my thermals on and you've got your uh, your blanket on your on your lap because we are recording this in sub-zero temperatures. We absolutely so. are, yes. Yeah. So, but we, apart from the cold, we're both fabulous, I think we agreed. We we are, Kelly, absolutely, yeah. And uh, I don't need to encourage you to this. You'll bring the energy that we need that we'll probably both be sweating by the end of this interview. <laughs> <laughs> no pressure. No doubt. Right, no pressure. <laughs> yeah, I've set that up well, haven't I? Yeah. <laughs> Right, so Kelly, I will get straight into it. I'm going to ask you the question that I ask every guest at the start. Uh, what does being your true, authentic self mean to you? For me, it literally means everything. And uh, you know, I, th- I think you and I have had some some conversations about this previously, and, and I know you've you've seen you know some of the the kind of weekly emails and, and stuff that I send out. But but really, for me, I mean, I I call it like living and leading our core led life, right? Who are we at our core? And when I was not living from my core, living my core led life, being my true authentic self, that was the point that I got I got to burnout. And I think if I kind of, if I look at it from the other way, I think the environment that I was in at the time wasn't or was restricting me from being who it was that I really wanted to do. And I think I felt I needed to change to fit into, I'm not going to say I was trying to fit into the toxicity, but I felt like I was having to do things that weren't my natural way of doing things in order to navigate the toxic environment that I was in. Yeah. And ultimately, the more that I stepped away from who I am at my core, the closer I got to burnout. And ultimately, I, I burnt out really, really severely, severely to the point of, you know, potentially not being here anymore. Okay. And so all I have been doing since really 2013, so it'll be t- t- 10 years in January since the first side yeah, of burnout kind of took hold. But really, all I have been doing over those last 10 years is ensuring that to the very very best of my ability I am living and breathing and leading from my core and then encouraging all of my clients to do the same beautiful I love that you you've got that real personal experience as well from it haven't you Kelly you yeah. know, you, you've seen this you've if I'm allowed to say you've allowed it to happen to you previously yeah. and there's yeah. the real strength there so you you use the term there about living and leading uh, from your core self yeah now, obviously, those words appear in a, in a particular order. And yeah. I think it's important to ask this question, though. Which of those needs to come first for you? Is it the living or the leading? It's got to be the living. Um, yeah. I think, you know, so, so many of us, I think, and particularly if we look at it from a workplace perspective, I think we we have we have allowed, we have invited the the work that we do to become a really core part of our identity, right? So if we're talking about who we are at the core, we've allowed our jobs or our status or anything to become a key part of that. And ultimately what we see is if people are made redundant or people move careers or or they choose to do something else, they get to that feeling of being like, like, you know, shit, who am I, right? I don't know who I am without the job. I don't know who I am without the salary. I don't know who I am without the status. And ultimately it, it is about, for me, who we are living as, are we living as our true self? Are we living as our core-led self? And I think then when we can say, yes, this is me, 
then really the leading part comes naturally, right? Because I'm yeah. not I'm not having to separate work and life. It is this is me, and I then use me and all that I am in order to lead more effectively. Yeah, I, I love that point, Meg. That live as your core self, and then the leading from your core comes naturally. Yeah, if you reference this a bit and. You know, obviously, I used to term break the mold, and that's all about going back to your true authentic self. So, mm-hmm. breaking out of the molds that we end up fitting. And you referenced this a little bit there in terms of, particularly when we put our job, so we put this importance on our job and our mm-hmm. role, and maybe a bit of a status. For you, Kelly, what what do you think drives that for people? Is is it societal pressure? Is it their even marital pressure? Or is it coming from themselves? What do you think really kind of drives that? Well, that determination almost to put our jobs first. I think it's a mix of things, isn't it? And and I think even if we, I mean, I, I don't, they, I know they don't do this in schools in in the same way that that they used to. But I think you and I, right, are, are both both of an age uh, yes. where we would have been speaking to like you know career guidance people, right, from like the age of like thirteen oh, at school. Crikey, yeah. And you sit in, you know, you sit in a room, but we get asked from a really young age, don't we? I'm sure you've had conversations with with your daughters as as I did with my sons. You know, when they get, to, you know, they're four or five years old, what do you want to be when you grow up? And we yeah. focus all of it on job titles, right? What do you want to be? And really what we're saying is, what do you want to do for a job? Yeah. And then we, you know, as I said, you and I will have spoken to careers counsellors that will have looked at our grades and said, well, I think you need to follow this route or I think you need to follow this route. Um, and we could choose to ignore them or not. But really, from a very, very young age, the focus is on what do you want to do, right? What's the job that you want? How are you going to get there? How are you going to make it happen? As I think some of that comes from societal, but I think we've also attached success to a job title, right? Success looks like climbing the ladder and getting getting to the top of the ladder. Success looks like having the detached house with however many cars you want on the driveway success looks like a certain salary level and so lots of us have been chasing that and and so you know we assume that those that aren't climbing the ladder or that have made different choices or or gone down different paths I think we you know we tend to look at them as like they're unsuccessful people and actually maybe they've just chosen a different path or, or done something very different but I do think we ingrain it from a very young age and and then it it really becomes a part of us, right? You are a coach, you are a facilitator, you are a speaker. Yeah. You know, you were, uh, you know, very much in in the L and D space. I was very much, you know, kind of HR director, and that's that's pretty much how we, you know, even at dinner parties when we're socialising, we're at the pub or whatever, right? Oh, what do you do? Oh, I'm, I'm an HR director. And I used to get all of the eye roll, you know, when, when I was in, you know, uh, oh, so you just hire and fire people all day, right? Oh, you know, HR police, HR police. And I'm like, fuck off, yeah. right? That, yeah. That's not who I, that may be what I do as my job, but you can't just dismiss me and then take the piss out of me for the next two hours. Because it's like, oh, HR police, HR. I'm like, come on. You know, there's, there's a much more, but that's how we, that's how we start to relate to people. And we make judgments of people in that moment, as soon as we say, you know, oh, I'm an HR director or I'm a coach or I'm a facilitator, or I'm a keynote speaker, yeah. we instantly make that judgment based on what somebody does. And yet for a lot of us, we do attach that to ident- our identity of this is who I am. And it's not. 
it is just something that we do and I would hope based on some of our skills or talents or who we are at our core it's not always the case but I would you know I'd hope in a lot of cases that we are doing stuff that is aligned to who we are at our core yeah just to allow us to, to kind of create more of that happiness and ease in our lives yeah I think that's so important align what you do with your core that's I certainly from my experience it's so powerful to be able to do that and it you're right about the career guidance uh, I remember relatively early on at high school I sat down with one of the teachers it was also career guidance and she asked me that question so what what do you want to do when you leave school and I maybe quite cockily said I want to play for Man United miss <laughs> and uh, she literally turned around she said well that's never going to happen is it Tim and it yeah. was I mean all right, she was probably right. Because <laughs> I wasn't but great. Did, but she didn't have to shatter those dreams for you there and there, yeah. right? They, they, there was just no conversation. It was just like, well, that's never going to happen. Let's go and talk to you over here about vocation. And it, you're right. And then the status thing, you know, I know since I've been working for myself, it, it's almost this bit of, oh, well, if he keeps working for himself for a couple of years, that means success. You know, and I, and I literally get some of my friends asking me, so are you going to move out then? You know, when are you getting a new car? Yeah. Oh, what holiday are you going on? Because you must be doing all right for yourself. You've got a book out. And I feel like you said before, but like, fuck off. That's not why I do it. Yeah. You know, and it's yeah. that bit of, that's what people perceive it as. And we don't ask, do we, you know, what, what is actually the driver for you? And so let, let me ask you, Kelly, because that bit, I, I think it's, it's a brilliant example around the career guidance. And then, like you say, we, we, we get into a role, which might be a choice. You know, there might mm-hmm. be something we really want to do, yeah. The reality is the first 10 or 15 years of your career, how can you really know what you want to do? You know, there's lots of lawyers and well-paid lawyers, doctors, pilots out there that are saying, I want to do something else. Yeah. And we don't really get encouraged by employers to think about our core and what that means to us. So from a listener point of view, maybe just share, how can they break that? You know, how, how can they with themselves start to really uncover their core, start to really be able to go, actually, this is this is the mould I need to break into and actually this is how I can find what what's at my core and what makes me happy. Yeah, I mean, I I tend to um, start all of my, my coaching relationships, even even all of my workshops, really, and, and even a, a lot of my talks. I, I start with the question, who are you? So literally sitting with the question, who are you? And... A lot of what we'll come up with will be, I'm going to say superficial, and I don't mean superficial because these roles roles are very important. But I think, you know, we usually start with, you know, hi, I'm I'm Tim, this is how old I am, I'm a husband, I'm a dad, I, you know, this is kind of what I do. But the deeper that we, the longer that we can sit with that question, the deeper we can get, right? So we can then start to unpick your values, right? Your core values, your core beliefs, your core strengths, the, the things that really frustrate you and piss you off that you'd like to see changed in the world. So we can, we can kind yeah. of start from there. I also then encourage people to then ask the question, who am I at my core? And a really another really important question within that is also, who am I not? Okay. And and if I if I kind of give you some some examples of that, my my very very first coaching client when I my like my first official coaching client when I um I was still in corporate at the time, but I I just passed my kind of exec coaching qualification. Yeah. And the very very first client that I had um was a was a CFO, so a chief chief finance officer for a global charity. 
And she had approached me. We were working together because she wanted to improve the relationship with the CEO within this within this global charity. All I heard her say throughout the first maybe half an hour of our coaching session, and I, you know, I could still tell you where we were sat. You know, we were at some Pancras Hotel, sat in the lobby in in London. I could, you know, I could, I could still I can visualize the whole session. Yeah. But for about the kind of first twenty minutes, half an hour, this all she kept saying was kind of every other thing was, "I'm a warrior. I'm a warrior. I'm a warrior," uh, and she was she would kind of fit it into all of these sentences, and and so we kind of and I just you know kind of threw at her, if you weren't a warrior, who would you be? Right. Nice. What would what would be different? And it we, we kind of talked it through. And, and basically, from the age of two, she had been assigned the title of the family warrior. OK. By her family. Yeah. Right. So she then a part of her identity, a part of who she thought her true authentic self was, was I'm a warrior. And as we sat and unpicked it. At the core, she's a real carefree person, right? She's carefree. She's, you know, she loves everything that she does. So within that moment, we changed it. So if you weren't a warrior and you could drop that part of you that you've been assigned, but you've come to believe is who you are at the core, what would be different if you were carefree instead? And I kid you not, her entire body language, like her shoulders relaxed, her entire face changed everything about her the pace in which she was talking the way in which she was sat just instantly melted and I think that's probably why it sticks with me so much because it was instant and by the end of our coaching relationship together she had given up her flat she'd left her job and she was going off to Africa for two years to do some like paid work for a charity over there for two years and all her family were then becoming the warriors. Like you, but you, but you can't do that. You know, you can't just sell your flat. You know, you've worked really hard for it. You've worked really hard. You've worked really hard to get to where you are. And the rest of the family became a warrior. And I still have the message. Uh, this the last email that I got from her, literally before she kind of boarded the plane a couple of days later, just to say how much in that instant her entire life had changed. And so the who are you not for her? She wasn't a warrior. Yeah. But it had been assigned to her as part of her identity and she kind of owned it. Right. And I, and I think so many of us do the same thing. You know, lots of us will talk about, you know, yeah. we might I'm I'm a procrastinator. Well, actually, I might not be a procrastinator. I might procrastinate at times. But if I begin to own the title of procrastinator, that then becomes part of my identity. Is that really who I am at the core? No. Um, you know, again, you you will know. Um, I I live with bipolar, right? I don't yeah. say I'm bipolar because that doesn't feel like that's who I am at my core. And as part of my identity, I don't want it to become well. Kelly's bipolar. I yeah. live with bipolar. I am not bipolar. And so the words that we choose. So who are you at your core? Who, well, who are you? Who are you at your core? And who are you not? Right? What are all the I am's that we're all telling ourselves that aren't actually who we are? But somewhere along the line, we've started to own it. And I think if we can start to let go of some of those I am's and recognize with the part of the I am's that we truly are, that's how we start to create some of that change. Yeah, fantastic stuff, Colleen. Do you know what? It absolutely made me think actually around the family side of it. Because <clears throat> we do assign roles, don't we? I can see. That I take certain things on, my wife takes things on, I can see it in my mum and dad. And some of those things are right, some of those things work well. 
you're right, I think it's a great challenge for people listening to this to just stop and think about the roles that we're assigning. And what you said about the language is so important, isn't it? And, you know, thank you for sharing that in terms of your bipolar and you you living with that. That's some real honesty in there. And you're right, it is about the language and how how we assign those things to us. Mm. Yeah. In our our introduction, actually, you asked me about how I am and uh, I chose to answer that said, I'm really good, I'm flying. And being really honest, uh, that's because for a lot of the last six months, I've been answering that with, I'm really busy, I'm really busy. Mm-hmm. And I am busy, yet even if I, if I say it, I'm really busy, instead of, I'm really good and I'm flying, it's a totally different message internally. Yeah. Saying I'm really busy makes me feel really busy. And then as soon as I get another email, as soon as I get another phone call or get asked for another piece of work, it, it feels too much. Yeah. Whereas you're right, it's just choosing the words that we assign to ourselves, isn't it? Yeah. Thank you, Kelly. That's been brilliant. Now, just... I want to ask you, um, you, you've alluded to some of your coaching work there and, mm-hmm. and you and I work with a lot of leaders, a lot of teams, and this is an important part of the context for this podcast because we're all part of that team and many yeah. of us, particularly people who listen to this podcast, ultimately are leaders. So let's just think about that particular context. I just want to ask you, why does authenticity matter so much to leaders and teams? How does it help them? when they put that at the heart of themselves and the team that they work in? I suppose I want to come back to, to what I said at the beginning when you asked me, you know, kind of what does being my true self means? For me, authentic authenticity in leaders and in teams, in, in all of us as people, right? And again, I'll, 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 I'll say it from a core-led perspective, right? For all of us to be core-led, living and leading from our core, I think that fundamentally that's that's the essence of everything. Right. I know Simon yeah. Sinek is, is a big fan of, you know, kind of start with why. Uh, and I know there's now lots of, you know, many people out there that are like, I don't have a purpose. Right. I don't know my why. And they're feeling really lost with everything. I, I really encourage everybody to start with who and, you know, who am I? Who am I at my, at my core? Yeah. So I want to encourage everybody to start with who. But I think we when we talk about authenticity and you will have seen the same, I have seen frameworks and definitions of what an authentic leader looks like and looked at those frameworks and thought, well, that that doesn't actually say what I can do. You know, it, and it talks very much about, you know, how we all need to be extroverted and, you know, yeah. certain things that we need to do rather yeah. than what it is that we need to be. Yeah. I'm a huge introvert. So actually, if you look at some of those things on the framework, automatically you can rule me out of being an authentic leader because I don't tick some of those things on the box. But actually, if I can be really clear on this is me, this is who I am, this is what you're going to get and this is how I lead, for me that makes me an authentic leader. And I think what we try to do around authenticity particularly, and I I know you talk about this a lot in the book, right, we teach a lot of people how to all do exactly the same thing, right? This is what a leader looks like in every single organisation. You all have to fit this framework and tick this box. And if you can yeah. tick all of these things, then we're going to say that you're like the fucking fantastic leader that can take everything forward. And you and I are looking at it thinking, well, that's not Tim's natural style. So if Tim starts to do that, it's all going to go to shit. That's not Kelly's natural yeah. style. So if Kelly starts to do that, it's all going to go. And I think we really need to again strip a lot of that back we talk a lot about and we've again we'll have both seen it right leadership development programs management development programs 
a lot of that is around like what are the values of the organization what are the behaviors of the organization yeah and we say if you're living and breathing the values and the behaviors of the organization then you become an authentic leader but i think what we're missing from that is what are your core values tim and how can we pull more of those out of you in order to help you be more of an authentic leader what are your core beliefs and core behaviors and how can we pull more out of the more out of you for you to be an authentic leader looking at how your values strengths beliefs all of that kind of stuff match or map the values and behaviors of the organization but it's like we we forget we forget the people part of it right it's like well i don't really care about your strengths tim because these are the behaviors of the organization and if you tick all of these boxes then you are authentic and the bit that we're missing is what is it and you you know you say and you you, you, you've got your hashtag and everything haven't you right it always starts with you that's the part that we need to be starting with right who is tim who is kelly who is that person over there and as we said for me Start with living from your core, and then it will just allow the leadership to, to come from it. But I think a lot of us, because we don't ask the question, who are you? Who are you at your core? Who are you not? We don't ask any of that. We just say, you know, be your authentic self and bring your authentic self to work. And yeah. I think, again, lots of people are like, well, I don't even know who the fuck that is. Like, who, what, what is, the, yeah. who am I? And then we start to ask the question. And then we think, well, like, again, like, I don't know my purpose so there's clearly something wrong with me. And then I'm feeling a bit lost. But as long as I go through this leadership, I mean, I'd, there's billions spent, right, every year on leadership and management development. Yes. Is it making any difference to the quality <clears throat> of leaders or managers that we're seeing? No, quite frankly, because <laughs> we're focusing on the wrong bloody things, right? <laughs> yeah. Yeah, Kelly, obviously you are uh, speaking to my heart right there. And, and yeah, and do you know what? I, you know, I haven't set you up to say that. We we believe in this. You, you are so right, um, especially around the values of the organisation. They're done with a positive intent. An organisation should have values. You're right. It's that ability, particularly within a team, to go, well, no, th- these are my values. This is who I am, and this yeah. is what builds trust with me. And actually, all the values on the wall and the website, great. Let's learn who we are, and then, like you say, map it back to that, actually yeah, align it absolutely. back to that. And it's all right if the value on the office wall is not your value. That's okay. Learn what your values are and then choose how you want to align it yeah. to that. Choose there was, um, I don't know who that. did it. I don't know if it was a Forbes thing or there was, there was something done a few years ago. I, I cannot remember it now, but there was um, like a research, I'm going to say research, I don't think we call it research or survey or something, wasn't there, about company values and basically has something like, I don't know, I can't even remember the percentage, but it was high, like a really, really high, I think something like 80, 80 something, I may be making all of this up, but a lot of the company values were all the same across pretty much every organisation, right? And you could line them all up and it didn't matter whether you were a UK yeah. leading supermarket or a giant tech firm or a bank or, you know, a surf school or it literally didn't matter. Pretty much all of these organisations had exactly the same values, yeah. but they but they didn't have the same values because they're, all of their cultures weren't reflecting these values. The leaders weren't reflecting these values. The the way, you know, again, I was, I was kind of taught, you know, culture in richly is three things, language, relationships and behaviours. And, yes. and obviously, you know, if we get those three those three things that's the stuff that creates the culture not the values that you could just copy and paste for pretty much every single organization around the world (laughs) so and and again and some of the words of course might be this I talk a lot about 
integrity. Yes. And that is a really important thing for me. But actually that basic, you know, what that means to me is doing and saying the right thing, even when nobody else is looking. Whereas somebody else might call it, you know, might call integrity something completely different. And I think, again, understanding what some of those words mean to each of us. And then how, again, does that relate to our own core values? Yeah. Yeah. I'm nodding along vigorously here because you're right. That's the conversation, isn't it? Integrity is important to me. This is what it means to me. Uh, mm. trust is the same and I bet trust was part of that 83% of organisational values being the same and respect right trust and respect oh, yes. like what, like, what yes. does that actually mean yeah. like, what do you mean yeah and it's that you know the the, the trust bit is a, 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 I think the best example for me and I say this to people a lot I refer it back to fight club you know the first rule of fight club was don't talk about fight club I said the first yeah. rule of trust has to be talk about trust yeah and actually tell each other what you need from each other to build trust. Clearly, there's some universal things in there. Yeah, I know there's things that build trust with me that won't build trust with many other people. Mm-hmm. You're right, it's having that conversation. I want to I ask you about something here. And okay, yeah, we're talking about something that we feel passionately about. And I think it is important to talk about this because this is <clears throat> calling things out a little bit and getting it to the heart of that authenticity. And you used the example before around, here's a framework, and if you do this, it means you're a good leader. And you yeah. know, we know that so much of that, whilst it's done with a positive intent, and whilst a lot of it is based on valid research, we know that a lot of it is bullshit, yeah. because it's somebody coming along to another human being and saying, forget who you are, forget your behavioural preferences, and all this other stuff, and do this as a leader. And yeah. I, I, I listened to a podcast of the week, and it was about authenticity, so clearly that appealed to me. Um, I was driving the car because uh, I ended up switching it off because my response was, oh, just fuck off. <laughs> <laughs> and it was because they talked about authenticity and they used a model and the model was four A's. Now, I'm not going to tell you what those A's stand for because I'll, I'll keep some integrity. And was it like, I'll, not, not uh, name uh, and shame. Uh, assholes. It was from yeah. the there's a where, right? <laughs> yeah. And I just thought... <laughs> It's like, fuck off, because you've come up with four A's because authenticity begins with A. Yeah. And it was some of them were such a tenuous link. So the bit I want to call out on that a little bit is what what do you think makes people do that when, when they want to create this this Because at the heart of that is a desire to create authentic leadership. Of course there is. Yet why why are we going for four A's? Why are we always having to come up with a word that then is an anagram for some of the for the parts of it, or why do we have to be three seasons? That I, it just drives me insane. Yeah, we get me lost too. And, and I, well, again, what, I think... What, what is that all about? <laughs> I think it's become, again, hasn't it, right? You, I mean, a lot of the a lot of the leadership stuff that's out there, I mean, and a, a, you know, a lot of it is older than you and I, yes. right? And, and some of the stuff that we're still using. And yes, again, it's been researched, it, it's been all of this. And I, and I think it is because... And, and I suppose if I use you and I as an example, not not so much to that point, but you and I are looking at this and have been for a long time, right? There's stuff that I've been changing and challenging for, for the last 20 years. And I'm still like, why are we yes. doing that? And, and you've been very similar in that. So I think for those of us that are challenging it, it's almost like in order to still create the challenge and say, this is not working, right? And here's 10,000 reasons why it's not working. And again, as you said, it's been done with the best of intent, but here are all of the reasons why it's not working. But then what we get to, okay, so give us the solution, right? Show us what's different. And then we have to go and pitch to 
our leadership teams and and whoever you know and, and I'm sure in some of my previous organizations if I'd have walked in and said right the whole leadership development program is who are you at your core right I'm just going to keep asking you that question and really get yeah. to the bottom of who you are at your core the leaders would have said to me Kelly fuck off right that's not that's not a leadership development program you can't possibly do yeah. that I'm proving now that you can but that wouldn't yes. have been the solution that the leaders would have wanted because actually there is no framework, there is no guidance, there is no diagram that we can talk people through. There's no yes. box, right? There's no boxes to put people in. Yes. And and so I think again, with the best of intentions, we do this because when we are pitching it to clients, to organizations, they want to see, right, which boxes can you put people in? Yeah. Because that's what we've been told leadership development is all about, right? You tick boxes, you fill lists, you fill frameworks. If you're looking at it from a holistic perspective, and I think, again, you and I are are very similar when we look at it for holistically, as in from a whole person perspective, when we talk about yeah. holistic, right? Whole person perspective. But it still might be, right, there isn't a, ri- a rigid framework. So I think people are, are coming up with it with the best of intentions because they know they have to sell a solution in order to get the buy-in for people to do that. That's ultimately yes. what it is because the businesses are looking for a solution. Yeah. And, you know, the four A's of authentic leadership, Who's, who doesn't want to buy that? Right? I, I know. You're rocking up going, well, it all starts with you. Right, so what's, what's, your, but what's your model Tim, yeah. I haven't really got a model. It's all about you as individual, right? But no, no, no. We need a model, right? I can't yeah. pay for something unless we know the model and we know the outcomes. And I'm rocking up, going, well, it all starts, you know, it all starts at your core. Yeah. Who are you? At your core? So, but what's the what's the framework, Kelly? Well, I, I kind of ask these questions, and when we see where we go with it, but that's not no, it's not a model or a framework, and we can't put people in boxes, and we can't say, but what you know, what letter or number or color are you? based on who you are at your core because yeah. how can we then compare you if we don't know your letter or number or color or whatever other thing of the alphabet is going to be yeah. and ultimately that's what we want to do right we want to compare and say is tim a better leader than kelly is kelly a better leader than tim and how do we plug some of that gap and we can't always do that with the with the more holistic way that you and i approach things whereas i'm yeah. sure if yeah i'm sure if either of us rocked up tomorrow to a client and said, hey, I'm going to sell you the four A's of authentic leadership. They'd be like, right, where do we sign? Yeah, yeah. It's crazy, isn't it? Right, it's, it's another example of fitting the mould, isn't it? I have to have this model. So like, like you say, I can sell my services. And, yep. Yeah, I mean, I, I've, I've been very lucky to work with senior leadership team at an organisation throughout this year. And funnily enough, the conversation started probably around this time last year where their uh, L&D manager and their uh, people director was saying, oh, we've got this SLT. We think what we're going to do is put them on this program over here where they get access to these thought leaders. Uh, and we think that'll help them. And, you know, I, mean, I know these people, I've worked with them. And I challenged them and said, well, I don't, I said, I'm going to be honest, I don't say that's going to help them. I said, why don't you go and buy them the books that each of those thought leaders have had published and then stick them on a team coaching program and let them get in a room and talk about what they really need to change about yeah. themselves yeah, and the team that. and get to know each other. And, you know, luckily they went for it. And they, and they, it's, it, they've completely changed the way they work. And it it is that ability of being able to see all of that leadership research and theory has a place. It's a mm-hmm. great way of helping new leaders to understand, oh, yeah, leadership's actually a thing, isn't it? Yeah. And then as you get more experience, like you say, giving them the chance to engage with that core and allow them 
to come up with their own ideas, allow, allow them to release that power within. Yeah. I mean, I can just give you a really quick example. Oh, I say quick. Go on. We, we know I can talk yes. for hours. But um, years and years and years ago, I was asked, a, a friend of mine was working in the HR team. They said, our, our chief exec's looking for a different way to develop our leaders. I think you'd be great at pitching. Could you come in? So I, I sent this proposal. I was invited for this meeting with the CEO and the HR director yeah. to pitch this program that I was going to deliver and or potentially going to deliver. And as I walked to the HR director would come to meet me, they were running late and I waited in reception for ages and lots of people kept coming to offer me all these drinks. I walk into the room. Chief exec doesn't even acknowledge me, right? She's just oh. sat kind of writing notes on her piece of paper. So And I kind of go in like, hi, you know, as myself. Right, yeah. kind of bounced yeah. into the room, um, and she's still just writing. And the HRD said, "You know, if you ju- if you just want to take a seat, um, what am I doing in this room? If nobody's even going to acknowledge me." And I, I so I started yeah. to go through. I had to do this kind of pitch presentation, which like death by PowerPoint, which again you know is not my natural style, but I'd done it because I, you know, it was like just do it for the pitch, and then you you'll kind of get it through. And so handed out this kind of slides of the presentation to see it. I mean, she's flicking through it, not really listening. And um, and then at the end, I mean, halfway through, she just cuts me off and she says, um, what, what do you think really makes you educated enough to deliver this program? She said, what I really need is our finance director. Um, our finance director spends all of his time in meetings on his on his phone. And so it would need to be a program that is engaging enough to get him off his phone and actually paying some attention. But then she goes on to tell me that they've, you know, they've spent hundreds of thousands over the last few years on leadership development. Um, you know, they've, they've done qualifications at Ashridge. They've done stuff with Cambridge University. They've done stuff with um, uh, business schools in, in America. Yeah. And, you know, they've done all of this stuff. And she really like, was really kind of getting to me, you know, but you need to talk us through frameworks and you need to do this and you need to do that. And my kind of response, you know, I'm not really not being funny, but you've spent hundreds of thousands of pounds on years and you've still got a CFO that is disrespectful enough to not engage with anybody in a meeting and sit on his phone. And I then said to her, you know, and, and you couldn't even acknowledge me when I walked into the room. So in terms of Brilliant. frameworks and training, everything that you've done so far clearly hasn't got you to the point where you need to be. Ultimately, you wouldn't be looking for anything else. Yeah. We, the meeting quickly finished after that. I don't, you know, she she wasn't kind of happy with it. And, you know, I never got any feedback, you know, didn't, didn't get anything at all. But I thought that's a prime example, yeah. you know, just because you've bought this leadership programme from a really prestigious business school, it's not made the slightest bit of difference to how you're operating as a leadership team. It's yeah. not made you any more respectful or aware or observant. It's not given you any additional emotional intelligence. It's not even got you to the point of acknowledging somebody when they walk in the room. And you're not even going to let me finish having the conversation with you because you want to know, you know, am I more qualified than Ashridge Business School? Well, of course yeah. I'm not. You know. Right. You know, I've got, I've got, you know, I've got, you know, I've got, I've got a number of degrees. I've got lots and lots of experience, you know, all of that kind of stuff. But am I more qualified than all of the professors at, you know, Ashridge Business? Of course I'm not. Right. But you clearly needed something different. But you still wanted me to present you a really detailed framework that was going to, you know, knock all of these business schools on their asses. And I was just, and and that was one of the, the very first kind of meetings that I came out of and just thought, I only want to work with people that get this stuff. 
Right? Yes. I didn't come out of it thinking, oh shit, I've just ruined that pitch and I shouldn't have said this and shouldn't have said I came yeah, out of it relieved. Framework. Yeah, right? I came out of it relieved <laughs> that I can say no to working with these sorts of clients and I can say yeah. no to the people that do not get it. Yeah, it's, it's, it's fabulous. And what I love about that, Kelly, is I can imagine you in that situation and I can, I can truly imagine you giving her that feedback and challenging it. And you're right, it needs to be done, doesn't it? And it... There's a fascinating thing that I'm, you know, that I think that's showing us is that bit of really they're asking for the thing that they already know won't work, and it's that brilliant yeah. thing, isn't it? That actually, if, if we're honest with ourselves, and that comes with authenticity, if I'm going to get somebody else to pitch, maybe I should look back at all these things we've done before, look at what's been at the heart of that, and then go for something different. Yeah. You know, it's it's fascinating, isn't it? And it you've teed this up beautifully, actually, because. Uh, now, I don't know those people you've just talked about, yet some of the behaviours just described, for me, they would fall into the dickhead category. Oh, yeah. yeah. And I, I'm asking this question on every podcast, and I'm saying the same thing before I ask it, because I know some people can uh, feel that I'm being judgmental when I refer to people as dickheads, and I am not, absolutely not. What I mean by a dickhead is particularly a leader whose attitudes and behaviours are irritating to others. Mm -hmm. They lack self-awareness and they show no integrity. For me, that's the dickhead. And, and, and it's important to raise it within these podcasts because we can all show some of that sometimes. We've all been a dickhead at some point. You know, ask my wife, she'll be daily with lots of things. <laughs> She's got a list of them, right? Yeah, you're not kidding. Yeah. She brings it out every time I say, what do you want for Christmas? Um, <laughs> But to be fair, some people I've worked with would also have a list of Tim being a dickhead. So we, we know that we can do it. I think the key yeah. is the awareness is yeah. an important part of that. And then choosing the things that help us to not be. And that, that's the question that I'm asking, particularly people listening to this. And this is definitely you drawing on your experience of this, Kelly. The question is, how can our audience stop themselves from being a dickhead? I've got I've got like images of all of the dickheads that I've ever come across in, uh, in my career. The rogues gallery. Yeah, they're all they're all kind of lining up. Um, <laughs> I I think for me some of like the biggest dickheads that I have seen or encountered throughout my career are. I'm trying to think of the, of the kind of commonalities between them. I think one is definitely like just when you try to overcomplicate everything. Right. I think I think that's one big thing, because you think, you know, for complicating it, it just makes you seem more important than you are. Right. If I baffle you with science and put all of these really long words together that actually don't yeah. really go together in a sentence anyway, but I'm going to pretend they do and make it sound, you know, extremely intellectual and highbrow. Um I think for me and that, that probably sounds like a, a really weird example, but I think if we cannot relate to people in the simplest terms to make it really clear what it is that we expect of them I think that's an issue and I think then the the other side of that is where we assume that a management or leadership position gives us I want to say I don't know if I want to say or to, I don't know I don't know what the word is that I kind of want to say before it but okay. I think it's when we assume that the role of manager or leader gives us power over people yeah and therefore and for, so for me there's a, I, again I talk a lot about empowerment and empowerment for me is that is really giving power to others yeah. I think a lot of other people assume that it means having power over others so actually you know creating that fear culture 
just lauding it, you know, well, I'm the manager and you're going to do as I tell you. I'm the leader and you're going to do as I tell you. So I think for me, it's those that do not, that just think the role or the title gives them power over others instead of recognising that it's a really key element of giving power to others. Yeah, I love the, love the way you spin that, yeah, give power to others. Yeah, and it and it happens, doesn't it? It it it's almost like part of it. I've got the job title, you know. I, I sometimes I go to clients and it's, you know, there's this parking space right outside the door, and it'll be CEO parking only. Yeah. It's yeah, like, they can't walk more than four spaces away from the yeah. door. No, 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 no. You know, it's just like it, that. Just creates that power, doesn't it? it you're right. I love that. Flip it. Don't assume power over the space in your own. Look at how you can give power yeah. to others. And yeah, we've seen, right, we're, we're, you know, in terms of where we're recording it, like, I mean, we've, we see a lot of it all of the time, but I think 2022 has really highlighted where there are so many dickheads in so many different leadership positions all over yeah. the world. And, and I do think that is one really typical, you know, is what well, I'm, whatever my status, you know, I don't want to kind of get into politics with it, but, you know, I'm a political leader and therefore do as I say, not as I do. I'm a, you know, CEO of a big tech company, therefore do as I say, not as I do. And and it and I do yeah. think we've seen a lot more, I think, particularly in the news over recent months of varying different CEOs in varying different organizations or institutes, all of that sort of stuff, where I think they de- they definitely believe that it is about having power over others. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, I, I've I've seen that firsthand in some organisations where it's about getting competitive with each other, and you know, yes, there's a, it's good to have an element of competitiveness. You've got to channel it in the right way. Whereas too often it's, no, I go to this meeting and I will throw you under the bus because I yep. don't want the bollocking off the big boss. Yep. So I'll tell everybody, yep. Tim's not done this. Tim's team are crap. Yep. And actually, if you think that, why don't you tell Tim before the meeting and agree how you're going to communicate it? Because actually, if you say that about one of your peers. You look a dickhead. Wouldn't that be wonderful, right? I know. If we, if we had open and honest communication before we threw people under the bus, like, oh my God, that would be life changing. I think we've got to aim for it, haven't we, Kelly? I mean, if, if we don't, they don't, no public's going to But again, like, it's just one of the simple things, right? And yeah, yeah. And, and we don't do it because we do assume that we can command that control over other people and we automatically you know if and so in that example that you've just given the assumption is that if I throw you under the bus yeah I I I am literally squashing you which by default means I have more power I am in more control and for those of us that see that as happening it's like well like no you're squashing yourself under the bus yeah and actually giving more control to Tim to say, well, you were a bit of a dickhead there, mate, weren't you? Yes. <laughs> yeah, you're right. Give that feedback, accept the feedback. I mean, uh, on one of the earlier episodes of the podcast, um, the, uh, it was Jules talked about, you know, people now will not accept crap leadership. And I think it's important mm-hmm. to repeat that because particularly for leaders listening to this, it, less and less people will accept that now. You know, we used the example of the whole, Twitter thing recently that yeah. the email that gets sent internally in Twitter suddenly appears online and it's yeah. that you used to talk to your mates about it down the pub or go home and tell you why now it's on social media yeah now everybody knows what goes on in those organizations when a, an, an example of crap leadership is demonstrated yeah, so yeah absolutely that awareness is even more important now you referenced these words before Kelly because the question we're asking now then we'll take it into the final three 
questions that ask every guest. You referenced before, you, you know, you're right, I use the words and my hashtag is it always starts with you. Mm-hmm. So what I want to ask you, Kelly, is why must it always start with you? I, ju- I think it goes to what I've already said. I think if it doesn't, like what else is it starting with? Right? If If we're not starting with ourselves... I think we, we I think by default then we're assuming that it's somebody else's responsibility. Like if I'm not prepared to look at myself or say, you know, answer the who am I questions or or what am I doing, I think yeah. by default then I'm expecting you to have all the answers or I'm expecting to be able to blame you for everything, or I'm expecting to be you know, I'm expecting that I can throw you under the bus at every possible opportunity. I think, you know, and, and as I, I kind of referenced, I did reference earlier, I think instead of literally starting with why, let's start with who. Like, who am I? Yeah. What is important to me? What drives me? Who am I not? Who am I at the core? What are my core strengths? What are my core beliefs? What are my core values? Because, again, I think a lot of the time, particularly I think when it comes to, like, boundary setting, I talk a lot about boundaries with with my clients. And I can get really frustrated if you overstep one of my boundaries, right? But if I haven't communicated to you that that's a boundary in the first place, how do you know that you've overstepped it? And if I if you then overstep it and I then give in, it wasn't a boundary in the first place. And I think a lot of us in, in business, in leadership, even in our, our, our families, with our friends... We don't communicate a lot of that stuff. I blame you for overstepping the boundary, but I the boundary had to start with me. I blame yeah. you for encroaching in my my personal time or my non-negotiable time out, but actually that has to start with me. I can blame you for the lack of my career development, but it has to start with me. Yeah, I like that. And again, love the way you flipped it. You're right. It's very easy for us to blame others when boundaries are overstepped and you're right, it's that ability to take a step back and go, have I made those boundaries clear? Yeah. Have I had that conversation? Because yeah. I might then be blaming or possibly attacking somebody mm-hmm. for something that they've got no idea that that was going to be a problem for me. Yeah. Yeah, and it's like you said, you know, we were, you were talking about your kind of wife and the Christmas list, right? And I'm and I'm sure I'm sure my other half has, has got a list of me, as I'm sure I have a list <laughs> on him. But we, we do need to communicate that. Like, I can't expect him to meet some of the needs, wants, or, or anything that I want, if he doesn't know that that's what I'm expecting from him. And I yeah. can be slagging him off to everybody. I don't. But, you know, I could be slagging him off to everybody. And he's none the wiser, because he doesn't even think he's done anything wrong in the first place. Uh, we can yeah. start it in our, in all of our relationships. But I, I think we, we probably most see it at home. And then we allow that to carry on into the workplace as well. Yeah. Yeah, we do. You're right. You know, there's, there's something I was challenged. Uh, leadership teams and in particular is, is saying to them we can talk about anything you want you just all need to be clear and I will hold you accountable to this don't say anything in this room about someone who is not in this room yeah. that you're not prepared to say to their face yeah brilliant so you, you can articulate it differently I get it you know you might want to say to me he's all right dickhead and then the feedback is uh, actually when you when you behave like this in a meeting it, it makes me feel like this yeah and I, and, I, and I really challenged them and make them think about that because you're right we, we can't simply blame other people for our own behavior mm-hmm. beautiful stuff kelly so a uh, couple of questions that are self-indulgent um this is because if i want more people to read more books and uh you let's make sure we talk about your books before we finish as well Thanks. Uh, and and also some music as well 
Uh, so, Kelly, what is a book that everyone must read and why? Well, obviously mine and yours. Uh, that obviously. Defi- that definitely goes without saying. <laughs> I, I think there are a couple, actually. And I, th- I think it depends on, on what it is that you need. I absolutely love uh, the book Legacy by James Kerr. Yes. Um, so go, if people aren't familiar with that one, so it's, it's basically a, a story about the All Blacks um, uh, rugby team. Uh, some phenomenal stuff from there from a leadership perspective um i absolutely love um uh, untamed by glennon doyle oh, which yeah. became yeah. the kind of war cry for for women and men all around the world uh starting yeah. at, at the beginning of the pandemic so i definitely go for those and anything brene brown like anything <laughs> brene brown uh, you should have that collection on your nightstands or yeah. everybody um, but yeah, any, anything Brené Brown. I think they would be my, th- you know, th- three of my top. Uh, I think anything by Brené Brown is is a great recommendation. Yes, anything uh, by Brené Brown. But do start if you haven't, if you have never come across Brené Brown or read any of them, definitely start with the Gifts of Imperfection. Okay, yeah, yeah. Before I think you go on to any of the others, I think that really sets the sets the kind of tone for the rest of them. Yeah, and I, I loved Untamed by Glennon Doyle. Surprised me quite a lot. It's amazing. Yeah, yeah, it is. It really, really is. And I think, like you say, it's relevant for both men and women without yeah. any question. Yeah. Uh, and Legacy yeah, by James Kerr. Uh, anyone who liked the conversation about dickheads will definitely like that book. Yes, it's one of the absolutely. Real yeah. No dickheads allowed. Uh, and Kelly, your latest book is out now, isn't it? In terms it is. Of ma- uh, Mind the Gap. It uh, is, yeah. And it's, that it's, yeah. to life a lot of what we talked about, doesn't it? Yeah, absolutely. So yes, uh, Mind the Gap. So it's a story of burnout, breakthrough and beyond. Um, it's a book I didn't want to write, right? I wanted to be writing something okay. that was much more, I, I want to say kind of much more positive and much more change focused, right? To, maybe talking about some of the stuff that, that we've been talking about today. That's the book that I really wanted to write. So that's already in progress. But yeah, it felt like I, I really needed to do this one. This was, I mean, three years. It's never taken me that long to write anything. Wow. I mean, this, that was my fifth. And it, you know, ordinarily, I'm like, I'm done in like four or five weeks. But for three years, I battled against it. For I, I, I didn't want to write it. Some of the stuff in it is is actually quite depressing. Some of the stuff in it, I thought I can't tell half a story if I'm not going to prepare to tell all of it. And some of it, I didn't really feel that I wanted kind of out in the open um so yeah and and so I think for for that reason but yeah once I once it was done and gone it was gone the feedback has been I mean honestly it's like some of the messages like you like literally it's changed my life it's saved my life um it's caused me to to really kind of look at look at where I am look at what I'm doing um so so all of that stuff yeah has been has been really lovely and and completely unexpected I, I wasn't expecting uh, a lot of the the feedback and comments and the changes that people have made as a result of reading it. Awesome stuff, well done. And it's that's so nice that it was a book that you were saying it was the one you didn't want to read, and then you know when you hear that feedback mm-hmm. again, it, it it really demonstrates the value of that authenticity, doesn't it? Of being open and honest and saying, yeah. "Hey, this is me. These are my vulnerabilities." You know, it really helps people. Awesome stuff, Kelly. Thank you. Uh, next one is is my self indulgent music uh, question. What is an album or song that everyone must listen to, and what does it mean to you? I'm gonna throw. I'm gonna say anything by Pink to start off with. Pink is my absolute go-to. I think the one that I would absolutely say is uh, is Hustle. Okay, yeah. Uh, There's a very very clear message in in there for me, but I also think her most recent, uh, "Never Gonna Not Dance Again," I think is is a kind of 
I think it's, I think it invokes a bit of fun, right? That we all need yeah. to get back to. I think we have got way too serious over the last couple of years. I think anything by Pink. I think that, again, the reason that I kind of say her, I think when she first, I suppose, hit the scene, right, and and was out on kind of MTV and all that sort of stuff, I kind of feel like I've grown up with her in the same way, like similar <laughs> age. Uh, we're both Virgos. Yeah. Um, but I think when you look at where her music was in kind of like late teens, early 20s for the both of us, there was some of that kind of really angry rock star kind of fuck you world, fuck everybody. Yeah. And a lot of that has kind of now really mellowed. And, and the stuff that she does now is really beautiful and is, as she says to herself, is much more her true self. And she produces stuff that she just wants to do that makes her feel good and hopefully does the same for other people. And, and I think as I look at it from that perspective, I think we've both over the last 20 odd years been on a very kind of similar journey. Great. Thank you. Uh, I love the, the music uh, example there because, again, it highlights this element of, you know, it pinks somebody who probably doesn't need to ever release a record again from no, a money never, point of view. Never. I've seen her twice in concert and I'm going to see her at the carnival in Hyde Park <laughs> next summer. Amazing. And it, she doesn't have to tour again, and it, no. you know, or, or could very easily release a simple, listen to me saying it's as if I'm some kind of fucking musician, but <laughs> she could release quite a simple pop album and no yes. one will get enough promotion to get some more dollars through the door. Yeah. Yeah. What you're saying there is from her experience, She's recognising, no, this is what I believe in. This is what works well. And I'm going to do it as myself. And if people like it, amazing, we'll have a great time. If they don't, that's all right. They can buy a ticket for somebody else. So, yeah, yeah, yeah. I think it's a really powerful demonstration. I'll, I'll get her to get in touch with you about the direction of where she goes in future. <laughs> she should. <laughs> Why not? <laughs> Although, if, if you know Paul Weller, I think you know, if you can nudge him my way, then that would be great. <laughs> We'll see what we can do. See what we can do. Why not? Why yeah, not? Yeah. Right, Kelly, set that up beautifully for the final question. So the final question, I believe in finishing where you started. So this, yeah. this is taking us back to where we started in terms of your trophies itself. And it's also a really great way to finish because the big purpose of these podcasts is, is to help people or encourage people to do something with it. Um, so it's a tangible thing. It could be a technique. It could just be a really straightforward bit of advice. Uh, what's the one thing that our audience can do today to be their true authentic selves? Just one. You know I struggle with one. I know. Sorry. <laughs> I, I'm going to say it's something that, again, we've already spoken about, but I sit, sit and answer, who am I not? In terms of who are all of the I ams that you have created or, or assigned as part of your identity over however long, and really question like who am I not like which parts of these are untrue if I was being totally honest with myself which parts of these are, are not yeah. so so sit with the question who am I not when you look at all of the things that you say you are yeah and then buy mine and Tim's book wonderful yes <laughs> <laughs> And sorry, I was a bit slow to uh, to come back there because I, I was actually writing down what you said. So that's a brilliant question. And everybody listening to this, you're absolutely right, Kelly, can just sit with that, maybe having a cup of tea or, you know, if they're having a run or, or just anything, just anything, just take a bit of time just to answer yeah. that, who am I not? Yeah. And I love what you said there about challenge all the untrue 
bits yeah. of what you tell yourself about who you are, I just think that's really, really powerful because we all do that to ourselves and that can lead to all sorts of... Well, and, uh, and you gave the example, didn't you, right? You, When people have been asking you how you are, I've been responding by saying, I am busy. But actually, yes. what difference does that make to you? Actually, yes, you have been having a busy period, but you're really enjoying it. You're really flying. You're really loving <laughs> yeah. it. So it's not that, that I'm busy is untrue, but it's just that that invokes a very different reaction in you. Whereas actually what the truth is, is I am flying. Yes. Yeah, you're right. Is that what, what is the truth about you? You know, because our uh, our inbuilt bullshit factories like to tell us a lot uh, of stuff. We all, uh, we all have one, right? True. And it can be you really do. bloody loud. And again, we've said that we're recording this in, you know, we've both got thermal blankets and everything right in terms of the car. <laughs> but isn't this the time of year where the bullshitometers... Come out even more to tell us all of the stuff that we should be feeling or doing, or you know how bad we should be feeling, or how shit yeah. we are because we haven't achieved everything. And yeah. we, it, you know, they're going to overload. Shut them yeah. up. Just shut. Them yeah, up. they do. Do you know what? Uh, obviously, Elon Musk will listen to this podcast. Obviously, it's going obviously, to be top his list. And I'm going to give it a five star rating. <laughs> Now, I probably don't want him in, in particular to listen to it, but uh, I'm using him as an example because I think you're right about this time of year. So one of the things I would say to people at Christmas is do not look at social media on Christmas Day because okay. it's the worst. I mean, one, why would you anyway? If you want yeah. to wish somebody happy Christmas, text them or yeah. ring them. Yeah. Uh, it, it's that bit of the, what people do now. It's almost like this journey to Christmas, isn't it? Especially yeah. parents. Oh, we're doing this on Christmas Eve. Look at us in our matching pajamas. Look at us putting the reindeer food out. Look at all the presents. Look at how happy my kids are. Look at my dinner. Just like, just enjoy it. Yeah, I say, don't look at it, especially on Christmas Day, because then that is the bit of the comparison comes out. And oh, we didn't do this, or you haven't bought me this jewelry, or and it's just like, who gives a shit? Look yeah. at what's in front of you. Look at who's around you, and just enjoy the day with them. And don't know if they mentioned Elon Musk, because I would love. If everybody who runs social media just said, uh, you won't be able to post anything for 24 hours around the world, in your time zone, you will not be able to post anything during Christmas Day. I appreciate in many cultures, they won't give a shit. So only the cultures that yeah. have Christmas. Yeah. But yeah, I don't know. I just think, you know, it, you're right. It's this time of year when it can overrun us. You know, and we do, and we do we go up... into comparison and, you know, people worrying that they're not being good enough parents or partners or... They've not been able to buy the biggest tree or or, or the stress yeah. of it, yeah. right? Just the stress of it. Like, oh, my God, like I'm, I must be a failing parent because I haven't done Elf on a pissing shelf. Like, <laughs> like just let it, like, let it go. Um, and, and, and I, you know, it is about the – I know it is – you know, it can be a very difficult time for lots and lots of people um, for, for varying different reasons. And yeah. it's not to say, you know, don't enjoy yourself because you might upset somebody else or, or any of that, but – Again, I, th I think just be present, right? With whatever it is that you're doing, be present. If you need to reach out to somebody and get help and ask for help, have a different conversation, do it. But, and, and if you're being asked for help, be present enough to uh, to, to help in, in whatever way that that person is doing, to, if you can, um, or signpo yeah. signpost them to everybody else. But I just think be present. And yeah, exactly. You know, if we're, if you're, and I've seen this like years ago, wasn't it? There was, I think it was on eBay, 
like by Christmas afternoon, the amount of like newly listed items because people were already selling some of the gifts oh, that wow. they've been bought. And I was like, like you've not like you, you can't have even like let your dinner digest. And you're already selling the stuff that you don't want. Like really? God, that's that's sad, isn't it? Mm. That is sad. Especially if you haven't told the person who bought it. But... <laughs> yeah, t- Tim, that was a really shit jumper. It's on I know. Yeah, yeah. Oh, God heavens. Well, what a beautiful way to finish. So, Kelly, thank you so, so much for your time today. Thank you for inviting me. You and I, I think, could do an entire podcast series, and I'm sure there's so many nuggets that you've shared <clears throat> excuse me, with everybody. So, I will plug you for you. So, Whoever listen to this, if you don't follow Kelly uh, on LinkedIn, uh, if you're not connected with her, do it as soon as this podcast finishes. Look for her books, buy the books, and I would definitely, definitely encourage people to subscribe to Kelly's weekly emails to help you to cut through the bullshit. They're very, very inspirational. I know I, I've replied to you quite a few times. I'm like, Kelly, have, thank you. I yeah. really needed to hear that today. So, yeah, definitely encourage people to connect with you in that way. So go and enjoy the rest of your day. Uh, keep smiling Kelly Swingler keep being you hello again if I could afford it the best way for us to come out of that interview with Kelly would be to be playing The Who singing who are you because that for me is the question at the heart of everything that kelly's just talked about there is really getting clear on who are you and i'm going to ask you some coaching questions around that before we finish in this short outro i just think that was something that really was that and it's maybe something we don't talk about we maybe ask ourselves about what's the impact what's the behaviors what are our values and beliefs and all those questions are right to ask and we need to answer them you know actually it's just taking a step back and going actually yeah who am i and I think she summed that up brilliantly where she said, make sure that you don't ever do things that makes you say to yourself, shit, who am I? You know, that's the question that we need to be able to answer all the time. So I really, really think about who are you? Uh, Kelly, I, I think, you know, sum that up is, is, is really encouraging. Don't start with why, start with who. You know, yeah, I would add to that, start with you. You know, really, really focusing again on who you are. Not, not really, you've got to know who you are to choose what your purpose is i think that's the important message in that is don't get caught up in the why first actually focus on who you are and then attach your why to that um you know this core led piece that i think kelly talks about there's a real strong message you must live and lead from your core and live comes first that's what kelly talks about is you've got to live from your core and then use that as to how you lead others and um, there's a couple of brave things that Kelly talks about, and, and one of them is about never blaming someone else for you. I think that's a really, really, really important part of this. Is it's quite easy, isn't it, to blame that because Tim did that, I did that, because Kelly said that, I said this, because this happened over here, I did that. And actually, you know, it's, it's important to remember that what gets said or done to you is never the problem. The problem is how you choose to respond. So focusing on not blaming what's going on around you or other people for you and for what you do. You you are your behaviours and your attitudes, so take responsibility for them. And the, the, the other brave bit that Kelly talks about as well is challenging yourself about all the untrue bits of what you tell yourself about who you are. Your heart and mind will tell you all sorts of stuff, especially if you have a day that doesn't go quite well or 
you know, you maybe get frustrated because you said something to somebody or you're worried about why did I say that, how did I react? Actually challenging yourselves about all the untrue bits of what you tell yourself about who you are and being clear on what's the true things that you want to tell yourself about you. Right, coaching questions then. Uh, so these are taken from the summary sheet. So like I said at the beginning of the uh, podcast, make sure you subscribe, make sure you download those summary sheets to get a lot of value from this podcast and sharing them with your team as well. So some of the questions I want to ask you that are on that summary sheet, there's a lot more than the four or five I'm going to ask you. I'm going to start with those three that she asked about leaving from your core, and that's simply, get, and to me, get a piece of paper out of this and write these down and then answer them under each question. So first of all, just ask, who are you? And be curious about your answer to that. Be curious about where it takes you. Then ask, who are you not? And that was a really, really important part of the conversation with Kelly for me is that just focusing on this is who I'm not. Therefore, this is what I will never do. This is how I'll never behave. So ask yourself, who are you not? And then finally ask, who are you at your core? Now, all right, that might need a bit more time to look at values, beliefs, and you know, take a bit of time. Maybe that question is a bit of pick the pen up, answer it now, put it down, leave it for a day or two, go back to it. Really focus on who are you at your core and put that into how you lead, how you live. Um, ask yourself about what's the bullshit that you need to cut out. So what's the bullshit you're telling yourself about you? What's the bullshit you're telling yourself about other people? What's the bullshit that's stopping you from doing what you want to do? So be clear on what is the bullshit that you need to cut out. And then the final couple of questions um, is this bit about boundaries. Kelly talks a lot about boundaries, rightly so, because she talks about in the podcast about her experience of setting them well or not setting them well enough and asking yourself about how might you be overstepping other people's boundaries. And thinking that in every aspect, because you might do it for a positive intent, or maybe you're encouraging and challenging people to progress and take on more responsibility, and they might not want that. You know, that's a boundary they have to set for themselves. And of course, the wider picture of this, particularly for leaders listening to this with teams, actually set boundaries with your team in whatever aspect that might mean, you know, what, what you can expect from them, what you can't, what are the personal boundaries that you'll never encroach on. And, you know, be brave before having those conversations. Just take a step back and look, how might you be overstepping other people's boundaries? Because if you can go and talk to people about that and tell them what you'll change to stop overstepping them, it's much easier for them to then respect your boundaries and work with you within that. And then the final question is uh, around communication. This is probably the first episode where we've, we've, we've talked about communication. And uh, it's certainly the first time I think I'm asking you a question about this. And that, that bit that Kelly talks about in the question is, what do you really need to communicate to others? What are the actual messages that you really want to communicate to others? And look, we know all of the stuff around how your message is received and the different parts of communication. Our body language plays a huge part in it. Your tone and uh, intonation plays a much bigger part than the words that you actually say. So stripping it back to in everything that you do, what is it that you really need to communicate to others? Maybe that's about building trust. Maybe it's that you can uh, people can come to you and talk about their mistakes they can come to you and ask you for advice so really thinking about not not the verbatim words per se everything within your message and how you behave around people what is it that you really need to communicate to others i hope that's helped you obviously i hope you enjoyed the interview and you know for me that, that final part there again the question is always what are you going to do as a result of listening to this podcast I will see you back here for the next episode. Go and enjoy the day. Go and enjoy whatever it is that you're doing after listening to this podcast. Remember that it always starts for you. Keep smiling. Keep being you.